The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. Episode 2 of Cardboard Cave. I'm down here in the cave with my wife who's grinning at me because talking into a microphone when she's right here in the room with me just feels awkward and silly. <laughs> it but that's a little awkward. That's just podcasting for you. So if you stuck around after our last episode, um, <laughs> I guess you had a tolerance for our son crying constantly. Um, he didn't cry. He just made his voice known. He's still here, but he's asleep right now on Anna's lap. So we're going to roll with it. Um, we have a fun game. I guess that's kind of spoilerish. We have a game to talk to you about in just a little bit. But first, Anna, um, what have we been up to recently? Well, we have, um, had a lot of people over to play games. Some new people that we've introduced to games. Which is always nice. Yes. And they really like it so far. Trevor has a new game table, so we've been breaking it in a little bit. So we've had two pretty big groups here to play games in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, but my gaming life has gone through phases where it seems like we'll go months and months and basically only play games with us, me and you. Mm-hmm. Very rarely, maybe a third person like Johnny, I mentioned. Um, but thankfully, even though we have a, a child now, which complicates things a little bit, we just had some people who are excited about being introduced to these games. And so, yeah, we played some kind of six, five, six player games. Um, and I mentioned I have a game table. We got to really break it in. Um, this was from boardgametables.com. I won't get into pricing, but it's called the Jasper Table. And if you're interested, it's not the most heavy-duty, deluxe board game table ever, but it's literally a third, a quarter of the price of a lot of board game tables. Um, it's just... It's a reasonably priced table, and it was very reasonable to put together. It took me maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Uh, much easier than Ikea furniture, I thought. <laughs> At least an Ikea table or something like that. And it's, the best part is that it has cup holders. Yeah. So I drink my coffee without getting dirty looks from you every time we play a game. That really is nice. Um, it has these cup holders that can be moved around to different sides of the table. So, like, if you have... If you have six people in the game, you can remove some of the cup holders to give more room for people. Um, we actually were playing a game just a little bit ago, which we'll mention in a minute. Uh, but I actually had the tokens for the game stored in one of the cup holders. It was actually kind of convenient. And then I had a drink on the other side. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's been pretty cool. That's the Jasper board game table from boardgametables.com. I think you can still order it. I'll say it's way more in my price range than any other board game table I've seen. So that's why... We have it. Um, but yeah, the before we get into the game, we want to talk about the, having the group of over, the group of six. Um, it reminded me how hard it can be to find a game that we enjoy as people who played a variety of games. We consider ourselves gamers at this point. 
Or I certainly oh, yeah. do. I think you do too. Yeah. So I like f- to fancy that. So fancying that notion, it can be hard to find a game that, especially newer people to gaming, want to play. And it plays a big group and you're not waiting like an hour before your turn to come back around. And so just to highlight a couple of games that I think are winners for that category, um, the two games we really played the other night when, when we had the group over was Between Two Cities and Jamaica. Uh, we're not going to review these right now, but Between Two Cities is cool because it is ridiculously quick. We're talking 20 to 30 minutes for a six or seven player game. Um, it is one of those games I would not recommend with two or maybe even three players, but with four plus and the fact that it plays up to seven, it gives you a very, very light city building, tile building game that's still got some fun, good decisions, and there's almost no downtime. It moves so quick, you have to be careful you're not moving too fast, <laughs> almost. Uh, just real quick, what do you think about it? We played um, it just a couple I, of times. Yeah, I really liked it. We were talking about how it felt like it went too fast when we played it the other night, and um, you had showed me that there's an expansion coming yeah. out that's supposed to add some more meat to it. But for a larger number of players, which for us, I feel like we, it's either just the two of us playing or it's a large group yeah. playing, which is really tricky. And there's nothing wrong with party games, but they don't quite, um, they don't quite satisfy the need for some, some decent strategy yeah. and a little bit more thinking. And, um, I thought this was a really good a solution to that. Yeah. For better or worse, you're right. We either have two players or we have six, seven players. And to be honest, neither of those are really the best for a lot of games. I mean, three to four players is like the perfect number of players for a lot of these games that we like, but we rarely have three or four players. It's either two or six. It seems like. Yeah. So yeah, I think between two cities is a hit. It's like a 20 to $25 game. Um, if you're new to this hobby, um, if there's any fans coming from Retro Blist, uh, the retro gaming podcast I do with my friend Johnny, the game we talked about last week, uh, Wingspan, may not be the best game to start with. But I think between two cities, if you're regularly playing with, say, four plus people, that's actually not a bad one to start with. Yeah. And neither is the next game I'm going to mention, Jamaica. Now, Jamaica is an oldie but a goodie. Um, it's It's about pirate racing around the island of Jamaica. And it's just a beautiful game, a beautiful game board, beautiful cards, these little ship miniatures. Um, it's a race, but you don't really have to like racing games, I don't think. Um, it's, it's got a really neat card mechanism where you have a double-sided card. It's like a long card. You actually hold it horizontally. Um, the left side of the card is your morning action, and the right side of the card is your evening action. And the start player rolls two dice and decides which dice will correspond to the morning action, which will be the evening action. And then you simultaneously reveal which card you picked, so that really cuts down the downtime. And then in turn order, you actually take your turns carrying out your two actions. If you end your movement on a space with another player, you have a battle, which is a super simple, quick, wham-bam battle. Um, there's treasures that throw wrenching plans. The The kind of biggest strategy of the game is simply having enough food to survive the open waters and enough gold to pay the port fees, which is just simply when you land on a space with a port. I think you've I think you've starved yourself every other time we play this oh, game. Oh yeah. Like Trevor has a hold full of gold and he's starving his mm-hmm. like 
all of his pirates have scurvy and he doesn't survive. He doesn't get the cold to the end of the race. Yeah. Because he can't feed his crew. It's hilarious. Like you'll have a, a boat that's like a buffet boat. And we all joke about it because there's food. The boat is loaded down with food. Um, and I'll be like, I want to go attack them so I can steal some of their food. <laughs> it's really funny, actually, and thematic. Um, I actually managed to win the last game, which is fun because I think I usually don't win that game because I starve the whole time. It's just a fun game. And it's light, and you can't take it too seriously because you can have stuff stolen from you. But I never take it too personally in this game because that's just... If you have a a hold in your ship that has like seven gold, you know you're a target. Like, you should know that going in. And speaking of expansions, uh, I actually have my eye on the Jamaica expansion as well. Um, I believe it will add substantially to the game. It gives you crew members that are loaded onto your ship like any other cargo. And you can throw them overboard when you don't want them anymore, but they give you a special ability while they're on the boat, and points if you finish the race with them. Um, and they actually totally replace the treasure deck, which I think is the weakest part of the game. It takes out the weird items that people never seem to quite know what to do with and makes it just treasure in the treasure deck. And the crew members take the place of those items, basically. So I, I think that's going to be a good addition. But It's a fun theme. I'm looking forward. It's a really good family game, I think. Yes. It's because it's such a fun theme, and it's the mechanics aren't too tricky so i look Mm -hmm. forward to playing it with miles when he gets and it's a two to six player game and i think it would work okay as a two-player game but definitely with three to six um i never think to play a game like that with just you because i think of it as a group game right but it's totally great as a family game like three four players no problem um but it plays up to six great maybe we'll review those later though um today our feature game is one of those games that I wanted to cover early on in the podcast because if you're discovering this podcast, say from Retro Blist, or just as a new gamer, I want to talk about a game that I think would be a really good game for you. Um, Because it's light on rules, but not light on thought and deep, meaningful decisions. And that is Azul. That's spelled A-Z-U-L. Azul is a... Blue in Spanish? Does it just mean blue in Spanish? I think so. The theme, I should have got up the instruction manual, but the theme is that you are placing these ceramic tiles or porcelain tiles. I think you're right that Azul was blue in Spanish, but as I'm probably saying this wrong. I'm going to look like an idiot, but Azuelas, Azuelas, something like that, is actually uh, like a Portuguese tile. Oh, okay. And I'm probably making half of this up. Um, <laughs> actually, you know what? It might be on the back of the box. We're trying to embellish the walls of the royal palace of Evora. Azuelos are, were originally white and blue ceramic tiles. Were fully embraced by the Portuguese when King Manuel I, on a visit to the Alhambra Palace in southern Spain, was mesmerized by the stunning beauty of the Moorish decorative tiles. Anyways, <laughs> you really wouldn't know all that playing the game. It's a very abstract game, like there's not a lot of theme to it. But it makes up for it in other areas we'll get to. So Azul is, at the end of the day, a tile-laying... It doesn't really feel like a tile-laying game, but it is a tile-laying game. Um, that, it's a little bit of a puzzle. Yeah, it's a puzzly tile-laying game, which doesn't really sound like something that would excite me. That doesn't really hit my strong points. But this one's a little different, and we'll get into that. Uh, but it's by Michael Kiesling, who is quickly rising for me as a designer that I want to watch for. Um, he's been making games for years and years, but I've just recently discovered 
how much I like his games. Um, he's best known, I think, for the uh, I can't remember what they're called. Um, the the trilogy has a name, but it's Tikal, Mexica, and Java. It's three games that came out years ago were very critically acclaimed, but he's made a ton of games since then. Um, I first realized that I wanted to keep an eye on him with a game called Coal Baron, which is a game a lot of people don't talk about, about being a Coal Baron. Um, we've only played it a couple of times, but I really was taken by that game. Maybe more than oh, you that were. that was fun. Yeah, we but, played it at the beach. Yeah, we did. Yep. Uh, I want to dig that back out. I just thought it was a game that offered so many good decisions without being complex. Um, but he's just really been knocking it out of the park lately. Uh, in 2017, he released Azul, the game we're about to talk about, and Heaven and L, which is a, a like a a Euro game for Euro gamers by Euro gamer, you know. But it became a pretty big hit. I think it won some awards even. And the very same year, he released a game called Riverboat, um, which we actually just finished playing, as I alluded to earlier. And Riverboat is a much deeper, heavier game than Azul, which we're about to talk about. Um, but I'm looking forward to covering it. I, I'm enjoying it very much. I'll go and spoil that much. Um, so, Azul really has nothing to do with those games. <laughs> it is a very different game. It has been a huge hit for Michael Kiesling. I would say it's easily been his best-selling game. It's, it's sold hundreds of thousands of copies, which for games in this market... The hobby game market is amazing. Uh, it won the Spiel des Jahres, which is the biggest game award. Um, it's out of Germany. And it is a game for families, for gamers, for really just about anybody. So let me just briefly go over the rules. And the rules overview for Azul. Do you like that nice little change in voice to let our producer know, hey, it's time for a transition. Yeah, you're a professional. Yeah, and then I ruin it by announcing that. But <laughs> anyways, Azul, <laughs> I recommend you just uh, maybe look at a quick video to see it in motion. But basically with Azul, I think I can explain it pretty easily. You have a board. You have your individual player board. And this board has a pattern that these tiles these chunky, awesome, I don't actually know what they're made out of. They're not actually porcelain, but they're durable tiles. Maybe bake a lot. Just plastic. Just plastic, yeah. yeah. And basically, you are acquiring these tiles off of what they call factories, which are just basically, they look like drink coasters. You're acquiring the tiles and placing them on your board in the first part of a round. And in the second part of a round, you're actually moving some of those tiles over onto your actual board. So the way it works, uh, we'll say a two-player game. In a two-player game, you have five offer spaces, factory tiles they're called, and on those five coasters, you put four of these tiles, the actual Azul tiles. So there's four on each of the five spaces, and on your turn, you simply take all the tiles of a single color from any of those five coasters. Or... You take all the tiles of single color from the middle. And the way tiles end up in the middle, like let's say there's a tile that has two blue, a red, and a yellow. I decide to take the two blue. I put those on my board, on the left side of the board. And then everything else that was on that tile gets moved to the middle of the table. 
and it keeps going around. So eventually there could be a pile of tiles in the middle of the table. But the trick is you have to take all the tiles of whatever color you take. And sometimes you may not want to take that many. Because you have limited space on your board, you can't just put unlimited tiles there. So it really balances. I mean, it feels awesome when you want four tiles of a color to get all four in one turn. But sometimes you don't want that many, and actually you just want one, and it's really painful to take the extra. Because the theme is, any extra tiles you take that you could not fit crash to the floor and break, which ends up being negative points. So anyways, this keeps going around. Um, I take all the, say, yellow tiles off of this coaster, move the rest to the middle. Anna takes all the red tiles out of the middle of the table, keeps going around until all the tiles are gone. Once all the tiles are gone, off the coasters and the middle of the table, then you look down at your board, and both players can do this simultaneously. This is a game with very little downtime. In a two-player game, you're basically not waiting at all. Um, with three and four, it's a little more, um, but it does work with all numbers. So you look at your board. You've now acquired some tiles from the first part of the round, and every line that you've managed to feel managed to feel on the left side of your board with tiles, you move one tile over from there, and the rest just go back in the box. You move one tile over from there and actually put it in your wall. <laughs> this wall that you're trying to impress the Portuguese, Portuguese king with, apparently. Um, you put this tile on your wall, and now it is a permanent fixture on your wall. And you do that, you go top to bottom, you do that for every line until we've moved over tiles. And so the whole point of the game is obviously to score points. And, I, and I'm realizing now this is a hard game to explain without seeing it in front of you. I hope maybe you found a picture online to pull up in front of you. But basically it's a grid. It's a five by five grid with different colors where you have to put the tiles. And so whenever you move a tile over, you immediately score every tile in that line vertically and every tile in that line horizontally. So if, if there's nothing adjacent to the tile you just moved over, you're just going to get one point for the tile itself. But let's say you move it over next to a line of three tiles horizontally connected to it. That's four points. And let's say there was two more tiles directly above that when you just moved over. Now it's four plus one, two, three, because you count the tile again. Seven points. That's hard to explain, but basically the bottom line is you're strategically deciding when to move tiles over and trying to move them over when you get points. Also, keeping in mind, besides this immediate scoring, at the end of the game, you'll get two bonus points for every horizontal line you've totally filled. You will get seven bonus points for every vertical line that is totally filled with tiles. And you'll get a whopping ten points for every color that you manage to get all five tiles. So, for example, there's only room for five blue tiles, five red tiles, five black tiles, there's only room for five of each color on your board. And for every one of those that you fill up completely, it's 10 bonus points. Um, and that's really it. Uh, it's a game that's easier to explain in person, but you're getting points constantly for just strategically placing these tiles, trying to not make too many tiles crash to the floor and cause negative points, and then getting these big bonus points, which you cannot ignore. They're a big part of the game at the end of the game. The game lasts for... Um, how many rounds is it? Oh, it's just until, duh. Okay. So the game in condition is odd, but it works so well. 
It's not a determined number of rounds. Instead, the game ends when somebody has finished just one horizontal line of tiles. And you might be thinking, well, gosh, that seems like a go really quick. But it's a minimum of five rounds. It can't be less than five rounds. Because you can never move one tile over onto a horizontal line. More than one in a round. So, it's going to be at least five rounds, but it could be more. And that is something else you really have to watch for. Because you might be planning something big, but you got to watch to make sure your opponents are about to finish the game. Kind of a rough rules overview, but you really just kind of got to see it in person yourself. But needless to say, there's this tension of what tiles do you take. You're watching your opponents to see what tiles they need. Um, and kind of just fussing at yourself sometimes for taking tiles you should not have taken. Because let's say, I think the... the well, there's mo- a lot of fussing going on. There's, there's a lot of fussing in this game. Um, Table banging, yelling. Which maybe we should save that for the uh, for the actual review, but just the way it works is so much more tense in real life than it sounds explaining it. Because there's so many points to be lost or won by your own stupid decisions and by the decisions of your cunning opponents. So, that being said... You. You're welcome. <laughs> Did I miss anything with the rules overview? I mean, I know that was kind of rough and ready, but... No, it's it is very visual, so it is. It you you just have to sit down and and uh, play it. Again, it's it's a little bit different. The scoring, I think, is the most tricky. So you have to mm-hmm. play through it once and learn how to score it, and and then yeah. it's fine. The component, it's a really, it's a really fun. It's an easy game to set up. Um, it's got a really, it's this bag of these beautiful tiles. There's no cards to it. It's just. Basically, yeah. the board, the boards, and the tiles, and um, so. Yeah. So rules wise, I'll say the rules are very good and streamlined. But you're right; you just got to play through one game, I think, to get how the points work. Because it, it doesn't feel like a tile laying game. Like, oh, Scrabble is technically a tile laying game with letters on it, and it does have some of that in it. But it feels like a totally different game than your normal, you know, Carcassonne, your normal tile laying game. So that's the rules. Um, you've already started with kind of the beauty of the components. So let's get into the actual review of Azul. So yeah, just what do you think when you see this on the table? with The tiles, the board, the box itself. Like, What do you think of the presentation? It's, it's very, very detailed and colorful. Um, I love the look of it. I just love the details on the tiles and the and the colors and um the yeah i I think it's it's a beautiful game and the components are again it easy to set up. We took this with us hiking um this week, oh yeah, and um took a hike up into the mountains, and Trevor was really tired and really done by the time we got back down for the game and the picnic yeah i carried my infant son up the mountain and down the mountain and he slept the whole time but i was worn out <laughs> and then the first game did not go very well i but, met, i was borderline screaming i've made so many stupid mistakes in that first game <laughs> yeah so but you you smashed me the second game and we played it through twice it plays through really quickly and easily oh, yeah. and the setup's just 
it, but outside we didn't have to worry about anything blowing away or or losing anything. Mm-hmm. So it was a good game to play outside. That is a huge plus for this game. I mean, it is rocket fast to set it up. Um, and it looks so good on the table. And it really is one of the best games I can think of to play outside. I mean, you're not going to play it while it's raining because there are cardboard boards. But short of that, you could even play it on a windy day and probably be okay. I mean, it's just, it's so easy to set up and so quick. And it looks so nice. These chunky tiles, um, they're just thick and chunky and they're so satisfying. The bag you draw them out of every round is a beautiful bag. Um, It's such a nice looking game. And it's, you know, it's about 30 bucks. So it's not, I feel like it's a great value for just what you're getting. Um, I have, I have no true complaints about the components. Um, the only thing that annoys me a little bit is the, uh, the scoreboard is actually built into your individual playing board. And so when you're constantly putting tiles on the board, you got to be careful not to bump your scoring marker. It's nice and it's very convenient that you're scoring board is on your actual board so you can take care of that somebody doesn't have to do it for you but you have to be careful not to bump your scoring marker around that's all i'll say but yeah beautiful gang uh the tiles themselves some of them are like just blue or red but then some have designs printed on them and they seem to be very durable because i probably played this what we probably played 10 times you know over the course of since i've owned it for a year or so um and none of the tiles look in any way dinged. The the printing is not coming off on any of them. Um, just beautiful tiles. And the box is one of the most striking I've ever seen. Like, that would sell it right there. Um, if you see it and it looks like a big quilt or a mosaic wall, which is what it's supposed to be, that's the game. <laughs> that's what you're looking for. Um, so, yeah, components are a knockout. Gameplay... I I don't know what to compare it to, and maybe that's why it impresses me so much. Cause uh, it, it reminds me. I was gonna say, and I don't play, I don't play computer games or games on the phone where you're trying to line things yeah. up and match them. But I bet there's probably something comparable, not not like this, but where you're trying mm-hmm. to make score based on um, rows and columns. But in, I mean, it's in a different way. It's in a more complicated mm-hmm. way. But there's probably something comparable, just from what I've I've seen. I don't play phone. Ga- I don't play games on the phone or anything or apps. But yeah, like uh, I know a game you really like, and I like it too. And actually, I was thinking about playing it today. It's if you want to play it. But Patchwork. Yeah. Uh, by Uwe, Rose- Uwe Rosenberg. Uh, Patchwork is a game that I don't think I will ever be like really good at. Because I'm just, I don't know, I'm not good at these puzzly games where you have to arrange tiles in certain shapes and configurations. I don't guess I've played that many of them, but I feel like that's just not my niche. Niche. (laughs) Niche, niche. Um, But this one is just different. And you know what I think it is? Yes, the tile laying itself is pretty simple, but that feels like maybe a quarter of the game to me. Where I feel like this game is tense and nail-biting and trying really hard to not cuss you out because you're cunning is in the first part, the tile drafting where there's those offer spaces basically. And you're choosing what you want to me. That's the game almost. I mean, it's a big part of the game because it's based on the board. It's based on the tile placement. You know what you have room for, you know what you want, 
but it is so important to consider what your opponent wants. Because, yeah, you might really want those two blue tiles. It'll perfectly fill out this line for you. But if you take those and then your opponent takes something else, are you going to get stuck with a pile of tiles you can't use and then are massive negative points because they crashed to the floor? Yeah, really it's, think it's about a that. very tight game. Two-player, we were talking about how it would probably be different, a little bit different three-player. You're mm-hmm. not you're not trying to be quite as cutthroat, like looking at, yeah. you know, seeing what's the best move for you and the worst move for your opponent as far yeah. as which tiles you're going to take. But two-player, it's a tight little game. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, that's, yeah, we... It, yeah. We had some moments. We did, I mean... <laughs> I don't. So I, I, don't, I really hate. I really, really hate to have my plans messed up. Yeah. I don't really care if I lose. I just hate. Um, in the middle of the game when I have something in mind and and it gets messed up. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I've gotten better about that. I've gotten better at saying, okay, he could he could really mess me up on this. I just need to be prepared. But um, that happens pretty much you know every other turn with this game, which mm-hmm. makes it interesting. Yeah. You know, it makes you. Uh, Learn not to lose your cool. Well, you know what it really does? When we were at the mountains, you know, came down and played this game, which was so cool. But you crushed me so bad that game. that I'm like, God, set it up again, set it up again. It makes you want to play again. Yeah. Because you feel like, I can do better next time. That's what you feel like. Um, The same thing happened today. Didn't I beat you pretty bad? And then you said, no, let's do it again. And then you beat me, right? Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's um it's one of those one more time kind of games which doesn't happen that often, but with two players, let's see. The box says that it takes thirty to forty five minutes. Honestly, I'm sure that's right with three to four players. I think we knock out a two player game in this in twenty minutes tops. Yeah, honestly, including setup, I think we're knocking out games in twenty minutes. Yeah, I mean it is so quick. And I'll I'll just go and say um I like to talk about player count when we can. Unfortunately, I don't remember playing this one with three, but I think it would be a brilliant three-player game. I played it with four. It's been a little while. And we played it with two like half a dozen times just in the last two days. Um, With four, I feel like it's a more easygoing game. It is less... I feel like it's less cutthroat with four, which is weird. It's backwards from what you might think. But because you really can't pay attention to what all your opponents are doing, it's too unpredictable with four... To really get that serious about it, I think. So do so if there's more players, do more tiles mm-hmm. come out? Yeah. Okay. I believe it's five, six, and seven spaces. Like there's only five in a two-player game. Don't quote me on that. It might be five, seven, and nine. Actually, it is. It's five, seven, and nine. So there's nine. So, so thirty-six total tiles in a four-player game. Instead, but there's of still four 20. tiles per. Four per. Oh, okay. okay it it works see. identically. You just have more spaces that tiles come out on. So it keeps it very tight at two, but it spreads it out more. So it's just as tight with four players as it is with two. Um, you still are going to have exactly enough tiles to finish your board, I believe. Like you're always, well, never mind. <laughs> you're not necessarily going to finish your board. You're going to have roughly the same number of opportunities for tiles in a two-player or four-player game. The difference is with two players, if something is helping your opponent, then it's basically hurting you. That's just the nature of a two-player game. So you've really got to pay attention. I think if you're into just a very intense, competitive game of wits and maybe a little bit of yelling, this is a brilliant two-player game. I think three is going to be a balance 
we're really not that terrible. <laughs> we don't sit and yell at each other at all. No, no. It was just... <laughs> we just get it, frustrated. I'm surprised that this game is so pretty and so unassuming. And I'm sure from my description, it sounds bland even. But it's not. Like, as a two-player game, it's intense, honestly. Yeah. As intense as these pretty tiles can be. With four players, I feel like it's more of just a family weight game that's still got some strategy, still got some... There's still some moves you can make that are going to make people yell. But I feel like it's almost heavier as a two-player game than a four. And I don't think that's good or bad either way. But I think I actually prefer it with two. And then three would also be, I think, just as good. I think four might be my least favorite number for this game. But I would still gladly play it with four. It's just simply a less intense experience with four, I think. I might be wrong about that. That's my feelings. But I totally recommend it with all the numbers, two to four. Don't shy away from this if you're going to be playing with any of those numbers. Um, what do you think? Do you remember playing the four-player game? No, think, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember. It has been a while. Um, yeah, but my favorite part of the game, honestly, I mean, I like moving the tiles over and getting points, but my favorite part of the game is that tile drafting where you're just really <laughs> sticking it to your opponent in a, not in a mean way, but just in a, I've got to do this or you're going to stick it to me, basically. <laughs> Um, but I, I just like getting what I want. I don't more than I like robbing you of what you want. I, I like getting what I want. And sometimes that means denying the other player. Um, anything, anything you don't like about either sort of half of the game, like that kind of rubs you the wrong way or, cause it is a game that we've had swingy scores on. I will say that it's, which usually you know, a tight game where everybody stays close the whole time makes you feel less frustrated at the end. This is a game where you can feel like you just got shut out. Whether it's your own fault or not, because there is some luck. You know, there's some luck in what comes out, but it is a game where I get mad if I feel like I just didn't do as well as I should have. But because it's so quick and so easy to set up and play again, it doesn't really bother me. Is that, is that kind of how you feel? Or Yeah, I agree. I agree. You, you can definitely, you learn from your mistakes and you can kind of avoid those mistakes a little bit the next time. Yeah, so I guess the best thing I can say about this game is I think I do really prefer it over games like Patchwork for me because it doesn't feel like a tie lane game. It feels like a just a, a quick, fast, breezy, yet intense board game that happens to have this theme of laying the tiles down. I don't know, though. It doesn't feel anything like Patchwork or Tetris. For example, when you hear a tile lane game, I think Tetris. You know, puzzle shapes. This is none of, very little of that. It doesn't feel anything like Tetris or any other puzzly tile lane game I can think of. And I think it's because it really is more about acquiring the right tiles at the right time. Almost like a, a tile economy. I don't know. It truly is a tile drafting and tile placement game. It's both. And you can't separate one half from the other. And I think that's why it works so well for me. And why I like it more than your normal puzzly dialing games. <laughs> Our son's belly is rumbling. That was pretty funny. I better be quiet though because he's been perfect. Just sleeping away. Um, Yeah, so anything else you have to say about the gameplay before we give some scores? I'm going to give a score. Again, it's totally up to you if you want to. Okay. Anything no. else? No, I don't think so. Do you want to go first this time? Like, or do you care to give a review? You really don't have to. I'm a numbers guy. It's totally fine if you're not. We could. Oh, you you go ahead. Okay. And 
I, I don't, I'm not a numbers girl, so. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like last week I got a little defensive because you gave Wingspan only a seven, but I got to remember, you're just kind of coming from it differently. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't love numbers. I might have to come up with my own way of my own system a little bit. That, that actually should be neat. You yeah, because one to ten, <laughs> one to ten just feels like too much almost. It yeah. feels like a huge range to me. And numbers aren't my friend anyway. Just, yeah. you know. I get that. I think that would be I fun. associate bad things with numbers with math. <laughs> that would be fun. I, I guess I should have spent more time explaining my scale last week. Let me just do that real quick. I love numbers, and I love the 1 to 10 scale. Um, to me, a 1 is trash. 2 is just short of trash. 3, they had maybe one good idea in there, but it's still just not a good game. Once you get to a four, it's a deeply flawed game, but they obviously had something there, but it's still well below average to me. A five is just middle of the road. A five is not a terrible game. A five is probably going to be worth playing to some people if you really love the theme or really love the mechanics. Once you get to a six, though, now you're talking quality. Um, Seven is pretty much, you can't go wrong, but it might have some flaws holding it back. Then he just goes from there, you know, eight, is a fantastic game. Nine is just, I'll recommend it. I'll never turn down a game. And a 10 is just one of the best games ever played. That kind of thing. I guess that's pretty obvious, but I do use the whole scale. So a five is not bad. A five is middle of the road. It's not like in school where if you get a 50, you failed the test, you know? Um, that being said, God, I hate to do this, but I think I'm going to give Azul the same game, same score. I gave Wingspan from last week. They're very different games, but they both do so much so well. Azul is a very simple game. It's not the kind of game that I'm going to play like for hours on end. But I'm really digging it right now. So right now I'm going to give it an eight and a half. It just so happens to be the same score I gave last week. Um, but it's just it's a lot of fun. If this were an hour long game, again, it would not be an eight and a half. But it packs a lot of fun and punch into twenty to thirty minutes. I give an eight and a half out of ten. It is very much cardboard cave approved for me. What do you say? Yeah, I agree. I, I think it is. Well, with wingspan last week, we talked about how it was missing that. Um, wingspan is kind of missing that Excitement. competitiveness. Yeah, maybe yeah. I mean not that you're not competing the whole time, but this definitely has that that component. It definitely is competitive, more competitive, where you just wonder if you're going to be able to get what you need, mm-hmm. um, and if the other player is going to take it from you player or players so um i would probably give it a little bit higher than wingspan just for that reason because it gives yeah um it really does so i i would give it like a seven and a half or an eight because to me it's 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 above average but you know it's not necessarily my favorite game but i'm i definitely love playing it and mm-hmm. love looking at it and i enjoy it and I, I think I might be wrong, but I think maybe when you review a game, when you try to come up with this arbitrary number that I'm forcing on you, you're kind of just thinking <laughs> about your big picture enjoyment, like your overall enjoyment. I'm, I'm more big picture. I would probably do better with like a one, two, three, four scale, like four different See, levels. That, that, that's good to know. Like I'm maybe we should have had this conversation off air, but I think that's good to know because I get frustrated when I see like a one, two, three, four scale. I'm like, why don't they just go one to 10? That's so much more range. But there's just two different types of people, and a lot of people prefer that. I mean, you like movies are usually done by stars, one to four stars. So that 
let's next time we'll figure that out and we'll have two different rating systems and that way you're pleased either way hopefully as a listener yeah um works for me like when I when I give this game a review, I'm thinking about the fact that okay, what other games that play in 30 minutes or less can compare to this, and that's why it gets bumped up to eight and a half for me because it is a short game that packs a lot of punch. Bottom line, Azul, cardboard cave approved. This is the game to get of the two games we've covered so far. This is the game to get if you are newer to the hobby, if you have family and friends you want to try these games out with. This game is beautiful. I have a hard time believing anyone will not want to play it when they see it out on the table. It's reasonably priced. Um, I mean, I don't need to to uh, promote Amazon, but I know it's less than $30 on Amazon. There's also board game stores online. There's Cool Stuff, Inc., um, Miniature Market, Cardhouse.com. Um, I'll wear some of the other ones I've used. There's several. Just Google it, look for it. Go to find the friendly local game store. Even better. But check out Azul. I think it is a great game for people new into this hobby and for people who've been in this hobby for years like us who still need games that are super quick to play, super quick to set up, very little rules overhead, and yet pack a punch. A, a quick little punch. So that's Azul, and that's Cardboard Cave. Anything else to say? I don't think so. Well, thank you for coming to the cave. Um put your shoes back on on the way out and um don't let the bats bite you (laughs) we need to come up with a snappy slogan or ending line see you next time bye